0: in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi everyone, Larissa Russell of Creative You, and welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today I have with me Kate Milne. Kate was part of our second annual Loving Healing Creating Summit we ran in February and shared with us how to use movement to inspire creativity. You can still get access to the summit at www.creativeyouhealing.com. Kate is a clinical exercise physiologist and a community health researcher. She has spent almost 30 years as a professional health promoter and health educator. Along the journey, Kate has advocated for the importance of how physical health impacts our mental health And how movement can maximize our learning and creativity. She helps women feel strong and capable in their bodies, regardless of age or functional level, by integrating movement, exercise, mindfulness, and self-compassion. Welcome, Kate. Thanks, Larissa. It's great to be here. Yes, I'm glad to have you. So can you share some of your story and the path that's brought you here?
1: Yeah, so... um... As you mentioned in my introduction, I've been doing this work for almost 30 years. Um, I started out working with folks who had uh, chronic and difficult to treat illnesses. So a lot of people that I worked with had mental health issues, folks with depression, anxiety, um, those with chronic pain conditions. And I worked in this pretty interesting job. I worked on a team with psychologists and psychiatrists and physicians. And my job was to go out into the field and work with people who couldn't go into traditional um, rehab programs. And during that time, I spent a lot of time doing lifestyle programs. So my job was really to help people to get more active to get on a schedule to help them with basic nutrition. I was doing relaxation training with people before that was really a mainstream thing. Um, and it was a great job and very rewarding. I did that for about a decade, but something just didn't sit right with me that I was going out and working with people who had come to the place that they were through a lot of different circumstances. So of course, folks with mental health issues, there's a whole physiological component that we, you know, there's not an easy way out of that, but for some people, a lot of their lifestyle had contributed to the issues that they were having. And so I just wondered, was there a way to work with people before they got to that point? Was there a better way to do some sort of prevention and really around health promotion? And so I went back to school. I did a couple of graduate degrees and I started working in health promotion, which is Probably not a super well-known field, but that's working with big populations of people to try to figure out how we get people healthy in, in big, big groups in communities, neighborhoods and so forth. And during that time, I really had a specialization working with older adults and ended up doing some research with older women and that research was so profound or the results from the research Were so profound that it really drove me to want to work with women exclusively um, in a one on one kind of setting. So, a couple of years ago, I started a company called Age Sister. And Age Sister is really a company that exists to help women age better, feel stronger, just be more confident in their bodies because. Working on the other end of uh, the age spectrum, so for many years working with folks who were in their 80s and 90s, I also really understood what a difference it makes when we just change really simple things in our lifestyle. Part of the, the, my personal story as well is that in um, August of this year, I had quite a bad cycling accident and had a concussion as one of my <laughs> several injuries of the accident. And just when I thought I was doing a lot better, I went out on a trail run and unfortunately had a second accident and a second concussion. I've always been really interested in the connection between mental health and physical health, but boy, oh boy, I just became the barometer um, for how those two things really come together. And I've thought a lot about this, done a lot of research around it, and it really gave me the impetus to develop a course around the connection between mental health, physical health, how we take good care of our brain, and to that end, how that impacts creativity. There's some really interesting research around movement and uh, mindfulness and just really, again, simple lifestyle techniques that I would be teaching people to reduce their chronic disease risk are the same things that can really help with creativity and can help us with our mental health overall.
0: Oh, yeah. I, 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 lo- I love sort of hearing all of that and, and knowing, you know, about these accidents that you had had this year and watching how people have shifted again this year with COVID And as we become more stagnant in our life and not being able to get out not being able to do as much, um, how that has affected mental health as well, right? And so just knowing that even that little bit of movement, getting up and going to work during, you know, in the daytime or going to the store or going, you know, those things that we have um, always taken for granted and now not even having that little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, but so it's maybe even more important right now than to do that shift of, of purposeful movement. To- yeah,
1: you hit the nail on the head. I mean, one of the biggest shifts in my work and in exercise science is around this idea of people sitting for long periods of time. So we've always really focused on, you know, get 30 minutes of exercise a day. But nobody really focused on the fact that for the other 23 and a half hours, you could be totally inactive and that seemed to be fine. We know now that's not fine Mm -hmm. and that it's almost, I, I don't want to say more important, but it's equally important that we get just those small amounts of movement throughout the day. And I love that idea that you're thinking about that during COVID, how much we're all sitting and we've lost those small bits of movement, you know, no commuting to the office, um, probably a little less walking for what we call utility walking, like just getting out and getting groceries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great to see lots of people out exercising. I'd love to see that more so than ever. I see people out walking just to get out of the house, but we have lost that, that little bit of movement. And we know that exercise is a treatment for things like anxiety and depression is right up there with pharmaceuticals doesn't mean Mm -hmm. we can replace pharmaceuticals, but it's definitely a treatment. That's really powerful. So really important.
0: Really important. Excellent. So what would you say healing with creativity means to you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Boy, oh boy. Um, I think it's kind of twofold when I think about it, I think about the external piece. So it's, I think about my job in healing and how, I've had to use creativity to try to help people with their healing. Um, I don't think you can ever approach healing without creativity. I just don't think it's possible. I think no two people are the same. And um, they're just, it seems to me that we, we need a creative approach in healing when we're helping people. But I also think from the internal standpoint, from someone who's in the healing process still, Creativity has been a bit of a godsend for me that I'm a very analytical person, probably a bit of a different guest for you. Um, I'm a little bit more science focused and I get, you know, very task focused. And these injuries have really taught me that you have to take time that's outside of just tasks and focus on things that engage your brain in a different way. And when I mentioned earlier that sometimes I feel like a barometer, or a weather vane for what's going on in the brain, um, I can really tell you that shifting to something that's more creative has definitely had a, a different impact on my brain, a really healing impact on my brain. So part of my rehab is even to take time to do things that, you know, for me would be more creative. So things like Um, cooking I love to cook and that's where I express myself a little bit more Um, also in writing um, and maybe not writing you know in my traditional way that I would be writing Um, writing a bit more for pleasure so those kind of things to me have made a huge difference in my healing and this time in my life has taught me a lot more about the importance um, of adding creativity in and I would traditionally think of just exercise and stress reduction and sleep and healthy diet, but I think I would also add in some sort of creative outlet as a part of good health.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To me, creativity is the most important, but (laughs) we all have our (laughs) passions. Of course. Um, So what, what inspires you in the work you do?
1: Yeah, I think I am inspired every day by the women around me and by the women that I work with. I'm just in awe of the women in my life and all of the things that they do, all of the things that they're responsible for. Um, And having that experience in the research project with the women in midlife, that was sort of the age group that I worked with. Um, And having the ability to make such a big change by just helping them with really simple lifestyle changes inspires me to keep going in my work. I think, you know, women spend so much time with a thousand balls in the air, taking care of everybody else, doing all the things that they need to do just every day rising to the occasion. And sometimes they're not taking care of themselves. Um, we forget to take care of ourselves, we're sort of last on the list. So I think my inspiration comes from trying to help and nurture those women in the same way that they would be doing for others.
0: Yeah, yeah. I find that too, when I when I work, the women that I work with, and, and just those aha moments that they have, or seeing the changes they make is what inspires me on a daily basis. So
1: Absolutely. I agree
0: yeah. with that. So, there's a lot of um, controversy around monetizing healing and creating. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: That's a great question. Um, I have a kind of an interesting upbringing in that my dad was a doctor, so he's a healer, and my mom was an actor. Um, so, we brought together <laughs> the sort of creative and analytical. And, and funnily enough, I'm married to a musician. Um, so I can see it, I think from both sides, um, obviously somebody like a doctor, that's pretty straightforward, how that's going to monetize, but I think there are so many other ways to help people heal. Um, and I think more than ever, people are reaching out for, for help. People need help. People need healing at this time. I don't think that there's anything wrong with monetizing, what you do Uh, i remember hearing um a woman that i worked with and she said sometimes i feel kind of guilty about this that this should be sort of my thing i'm giving to the world and i remember thinking you know there's there's a difference between um what you're giving to the world in terms of maybe the charity work that you do or so forth and what you should be able to make a living doing. Um, and in a way, those two things cross over. I, I don't, I, I see the monetization as something that's a natural fit. People are reaching out for help, and they're, many times they're reaching out for your services. Um, from the artistic side, I'm always amazed with artists um, how much they are reluctant to monetize what they do i more so than um, someone who's monetizing artistic work because it's not what I do. I'm a consumer of artistic work. I love, um, I love going to art shows, buying local artists' work. I love going and seeing performances. And I have no problem at all paying for it. Um, and I'm surprised sometimes at the resistance that people have to really want to monetize their work or to be paid properly for what they do um, that sometimes I notice that artists kind of undervalue themselves a bit and as someone on the other side who's happy to pay for their work I would say that absolutely um, you should be getting paid for that great work that you're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's partly like a cultural thing in how we value the arts until you become that movie star or that you know, best-selling author. We don't, we don't value the arts until then, right? And so that's that's a big part of it. That's so
1: but, true. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So hopefully, we're seeing a shift with that, especially through COVID times, and how important the arts are. Right? So.
1: I have an old neighbor who is a poet and doesn't have a lot of money, but just keeps creating his work, and he paints. And I was talking to him the other day and he said, I really think there's going to be an explosion of art from COVID that people have had this time where they're isolated and they're creating things. And I thought that's a really lovely way of thinking of this time, that Mm -hmm. it's going to have this positive impact
0: on the world from a
1: creativity standpoint. I look forward
0: to seeing all of that. Yes, (laughs) Yes. absolutely. Me too. (laughs) So what is the creative healing modality you use most for yourself?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question, because I think prior to maybe thinking through this or looking at the work that you do, I wouldn't have ever considered myself to be creative. I would have just said, no, I'm not creative I because I can't draw. I can't paint. uh, I don't have one of those traditional kind of creative outlets that some people do but I do really love digital creation I find myself in the flow you know that idea of flow where you just lose track of time and um, you're just completely immersed in what you're doing I find that while doing things digitally so that might be anything from creating a website to building an online course um, and then, of course, in writing, I've always been a writer, I've always loved to write. And again, I find myself in that kind of flow state while writing. And then just in small ways, things like cooking or showing up for people, um, whatever it is, I, now I'm thinking of those things a little bit more as creative outlets when I hadn't in the past.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's something I say all the time is that creativity is in everything we do. And so when we can nurture that, then, you know, it, it just has a chance to grow even more. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what would you say you are proudest of in your life?
1: You probably hear this answer all the time, but I would say I'm probably proudest of my kids, (laughs) of course. Um, They're just lovely human beings. And regardless of what they put out in the world or do, they're just, they developed into people who are kind. And I think for me, that was probably the most important measure of success. Um, so I'm, I'm proudest of them. Um, professionally, I'm really proud of maintaining the work that I have and remaining self-employed as long as I have. There's been a lot of ups and downs. Um, you know, different economic circumstances in the world like there is right now, but just hanging in there and believing in what I do and maintaining that, I'm pretty proud of that.
0: Oh, absolutely. It, it's interesting. And and you know what, kids is not the number one answer I get, surprisingly. Um, but relationships are, are probably the number one answer I get. Um, but, you know, having kind children and having, you know, children who are self-sufficient and things are, something to be proud of and not just proud of them but proud of you for 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 raising those people right so
1: I always joke Larissa that they are the way that they are not because of me but in spite of me
0: (laughs) (laughs) I doubt that's true but yeah I think because of you but yes thank you If you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would that be?
1: Yeah, you know, I really, really wish I could bring the message that I've been trying to bring for so long. I wish I could get that out to more people that if we just make really small changes to our health, they're not sexy. Sometimes they're a little bit tough. But if we could make those small changes, they would make such a difference to our lifestyle overall. So our mental health, you know, things like creativity, um, our physical health, how we age, our disease risk. It's just so, so important. I always say the best pharmaceutical that is the most supported by research is exercise. Uh It really is. There's nothing really that tops exercise in terms of, all of the different conditions that it improves everything from diabetes to depression. And if I could just get that out there to the world, that would be my most important message. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So have you struggled with imposter syndrome in your work? And if so, how have you gotten over it?
1: Yeah, I'd love this question because this is just such a theme in so many women that I speak mm-hmm. to, especially women in business. And yes, Absolutely. I thought about an instance of imposter syndrome um, in my work where I was at I was at a meeting that I felt like I was in a bit over my head. There were these sort of really well-known researchers and academics, and I thought, why am I at this table? Like who, who's gonna figure out that I'm not meant to be here? You know? And to the point that at the break, I took off to the washroom, because I thought if anybody speaks to me, they're going to know that I've snuck in here somehow, without any qualification to be here. And that's really interesting, right? That it's to that degree, sometimes imposter syndrome that you really think somebody's made a mistake in inviting me. Um, And I suffered from that for a very long time, until I had a meeting with a male colleague, and he was incredibly condescending to me um trying it was a bit of gaslighting honestly it was really around you know well you, you could do well but I I had an opportunity to do my PhD and I didn't do it because I didn't see a reason to do it it wasn't really going to make a difference in my career and he told me that you know I couldn't really go anywhere without it and I just had this moment of screw you you know um I left that meeting and that was the end of my imposter syndrome, because I thought if people can't see what I am bringing to the table, regardless of letters or anything behind my name, then they are missing out. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I don't really remember having imposter syndrome after that moment.
0: Yeah. And it's it's amazing now I find that how much experience is outweighing the schooling Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's still some fields like, you know, our medical doctors, we definitely want them to have that (laughs) medical degree. Um, But, you know, learning business from someone, I don't care if you have an MBA, Mm -hmm. I want to know that you have experience, right? So there's so many different things now um, that you need some training for more training for some things than others and others. It's just share life experience, share life experience. And so, yeah, and yeah. Let's not even get into the patriarchy and all the rest of that but that's a <laughs> that's a whole other thing.
1: <laughs> it just seems to be a really uniquely female condition and I know that I had a few years where I was um responsible for hiring people and it was amazing to me how many women really undervalued their Mm -hmm. work and their experience and what they you know sort of brought to the table and how how much that was opposite for men yes I think that's where it comes from it just it's women not seeing themselves in that in that role that they have that experience and power and you know they're really bringing something to the table
0: and it's just funny you saying that because I I think I'm sure there are men who suffer from imposter syndrome there has to be at least one in the world (laughs) But for the most part, I would say that's not a male trait. Um, But women, I don't know one that I've spoken to about it. Um, And I haven't spoken to, you know, a lot in the grand scheme of the world. But I don't know any women who haven't at some point suffered from imposter syndrome. Right. So it's a very interesting phenomena. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have an inspirational quote that you live by?
1: So I have a quote that I really, well, here's the thing. I
0: love quotes.
1: If you ask my family, quotes have sort of followed us around since day one. I'm always putting quotes up on the fridge. I've got quotes all over my computer and little post-it notes. I'm a bit of a quote collector. So I think I'm always living by a new quote, different quote, collection, going back to old ones. But I think the one right now that is really driving me I'll read it to you so I don't get it wrong because it's a couple of sentences. Do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things break and all things can be mended, not with time, as they say, but with intention. So go love intentionally, extravagantly, unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is you.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, and I think that's just
1: where we are at at the moment, you know, that we have to bring light to this dark,
0: dark time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I love that. So is there anything else you'd like to add that we maybe haven't discussed today that you think our listeners need to know? I just, I guess I would just go
1: back to that idea of how important it is the work that you're doing. I mean, the work that you are bringing to people in terms of that healing with creativity, I I don't think I would have recognized prior how important that was. But as someone who works in health, and now is recovering, I just I can't say strongly enough how important it is to do that work and also to bring that work to the world you know to make sure that your work is getting out there. So I really commend you for the work that you're doing. It's amazing. Thank
0: you so much. I I was kind of asking if you had anything you wanted to share about yourself, but you know if you want to talk about me, I'm okay with that too. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. And to our listeners, we will see you again next week and in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Bye for now. Are you a daily journaler? Do you want more creativity in your day? We have two great creativity journals to start your day with. One for people who already have a journaling practice and one for people who are new to journaling. Both are an amazing way to start your day. Both make the perfect gift for a person in your life. Check out Have an Amazingly Creative Day and How Do I Have an Amazingly Creative Day. Both currently available on Amazon. Click the link below to purchase yours now.